Om Sang Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Namaste, everybody. Uh, this evening we're going to begin chapter 9 on page 177 of the Devi Gita. And Himalaya said, I, I want to tell you, before I even start talking about what Himalaya said, I want to have Swami says. Mm -hmm. Swami says, this is one of my favorite chapters in this book. Of all the chapters in this book, and we talk about a lot of stuff. I mean, the boys went off to do tapasya. They sang hymns of praise to the Divine Mother. She said that she would appear and she would take birth in Himalaya's house. And Himalaya began to cry. And he said, how should I behave? How shall I know you? How shall I create an environment conducive to your accomplishing your objective while you are my daughter? And then the Devi started to, she proceeded to narrate the, the, the steps of yoga and the, the, the methods of tapasya and the methods of pranayama and pratyahara and dharana, dhyana, samadhi. She went through the ashtanga yoga and then she started talking about puja and establishing the vibrations and the matrikas and all the goddesses within your own body, in all of your chakras, in your bhutashuddhi. And then she went through the, from the muladhar to the swadhisthan, and from the swadhisthan to the monipur, and from the monipur to the anahat, and from anahat to the vishuddh, and vishuddh to the agnya chakra. And we even talked about the sun chakra, rodini chakra, and the sahasrar. And then she said, you can go out and even levitate above that body, above that sadhu who is sitting down there in meditation, you can look down on him as one extension of your body. And she went through the various processes of yoga and sadhana and asan and pranayama and tapasya. And now, in chapter 9, Himalaya Ovachi. And Himalaya said, you could sit a little farther back if you like. Tell of your own devotion, O Mother, by means of which wisdom is easily attained. Men can become victorious, even ordinary men who are not devoid of attachment. So hey, if you're an ordinary guy and you, you, you still have attachments to this world, you can even achieve the wisdom of devotion, even while being an, a normal person. And the goddess said, the well-known path to me harmonizes three to attain to self-realization, otherwise known as liberation. O oh, chief of mountains, these are in truth karma yoga, jnana yoga, and bhakti yoga. Now these three are all in harmony in every action. Wherever you have karma, any kind of movement, any kind of action whatsoever, you have some gan. You must know what you're doing, or you don't know what you're doing, in which case you have minus gan. And you must have some bhakti, which means some devotion, which means that it makes you pay attention. Makes you want to sit in the front row of the class instead of as far back as you possibly can. The bhakti that makes you, the, the love that demands your attention. And so these three, and you could have minus bhakti and desire to hide from the teacher, or you could have true bhakti and come as close into the bhava zone as you possibly can. When I was studying at his school, yes, Mom? when I did my preparation, my lesson, right. I was... At the end. At the, you're right. <laughs> Everyone who does not prepare and is afraid of being called upon tries to hide at the back of the classroom. <laughs> yes, mother, <laughs> thank you for that teaching. Uh, we, we all understand that principle, <laughs> students and teachers alike. The harmony of these three is most suitable in performance to be capable of all attainment. You want to attain success in something, you better put your bhakti and your gyan with your karma. You can't do it by karma alone. You can't do it by gyan alone. You can't even get there by bhakti alone. If I love you, I'm going to study you how to please you. 
and that knowledge is going to come through my actions and then every action is a representation of the devotion that I have to just demonstrate my knowledge about you. So if you harmonize all three of these in every action, then you can hope to attain to success. It is easier to absorb thoughts in truth when consciousness of the body is free from suffering. So if your body is calling your attention, it's knocking on the door and say, hey, Swami, look at your foot. Or, hey, I'm not strong enough to sit in the front row. I will sit in the back of the class and hide. In some way, the consciousness of your body is not free from suffering. So now, it's more efficient if we make the consciousness free from imposition by the body. As the qualities of men differ, so also the qualities of devotion are understood as three. Satvaratantama. Leading another into difficulties by means of fraud or deceit. Exhibiting jealousy or anger, such devotion is tamasi, manifesting darkness or ignorance. So there's tamasi bhakti. If forsaking all difficulties and only for the purpose of his or her own welfare. Always some desire inhabits his heart for fame or some worldly enjoyment. Thinking of the attainment of this or that fruit resulting from his worship with great devotion. Or if thinking himself different from me, he makes his bad character <clears throat> known to others. That devotion is reckoned, O King of Mountains, as rajasi, manifesting attachment. So if I'm thinking that I'm doing this sadhana and I'm going to achieve great name and great fame and I will achieve wealth and, and the status in the eyes of other men, then I'm bound by desire, I'm bound by attachment. I'm not loving you because I love you. I'm, we call it javadrishti bhakti. Uh, Papia? We have this attachment, we have this, this desire, and I'm giving you my bhakti in order, as bush, it's a bribe in order to achieve the object of my desire, and that's rajasi. Offering to the supreme divinity in order to purify all sins, as has been required by scriptures of wisdom, that sacred duty to me is continually performed as an honor and a privilege. Thus, the presence of intelligence is certain, but this intelligence is still divided, thinking that devotee is different from the recipient. <clears throat> I am offering to you in order to purify me from all the malevolent actions I've performed against you and beg your forgiveness. He performs actions for my pleasure. This devotion, O mountain, is sattviki, manifesting truth. So if there's still duality, there's still division, I'm still a devotee and you are still the object or the recipient of my devotion, then I have sattvic devotion. But remember the story of the three thieves. Even Sattva couldn't enter into the house of the victim. Uh, we have, uh, uh, Thomas said, kill this guy, he's no more a use to us. Raja said, no, let's not kill him, let's just bind him up and beat him up and throw him in a ditch. And Sattva said, let me help you. I can take you and show you. There's your home. And the victim said, oh, you're so kind to me. Why don't you come home with me? And the sattva said, I can't go to your house. The police will certainly ask, why were you with the thieves in the first place? Sattva cannot enter into the union. You must become nirgun. Only sattvic Devotion can lead to the supreme devotion. And now, dram, dram, 
pay attention to a discussion of my knowledge about supreme devotion. We call it parabhakti. It's parabhakti. It's above jabadrishti bhakti that I do for uh, the achievement or the attainment of my desires. I want something from you and therefore I'm devoted. It's different from the hingsa that I want to injure you. Oh Lord, please destroy my enemies. <laughs> That's tamasic. And now we saw sattvic. I want to purify myself and lead me to the door, to the gateway, to that infinite perception. I want darshan. That means truth drishti. I want pure intuitive perception. So now, pay attention to a discussion of my knowledge about supreme devotion, this parabhakti. Four kinds of devotion, tamas, rajas, sattvic, and parabhakti. Always listening to my qualities, amarguna ganga. Singing my names, amarnam jakur. The repository of the jewels of the qualities of welfare. Contemplating the infinite, he resides in me. His consciousness remains fixed only, just as oil always gives moisture. He maintains no other motivation there, nor is there any other desire. His Raktabija has been all drunk, consumed by the mouth of Kali. All the seeds of desire have dissipated. They're all dispelled. Not even desire for the different stages of Samadhi. I don't even want Samadhi. I just want to be with you. Not even the Salokya Shamipya, Sadrishya, Sadyuja, Salokya. What, what, what does it say in the book? So it's the different stages of samadhi. Oh, in this order, samipya, perform the activities as the deity. Sarajishti, uh, maintaining the same perception as the deity. Sayuj, the perfection of union with the deity. Salokya, remaining in the same paradigm of experience as the deity. So remember the five stages of samadhi. He doesn't even want samadhi. That too is a desire. I mean, why would you want samadhi? Because you don't have it. <laughs> because I am separate from God. That's the only reason he would desire samadhi. I, want, I don't want to be in this world anymore. <laughs> so please, I want something from you. Give me samadhi. Give me liberation. It, let me escape from this world. The only person who wants Freedom from bondage is someone who is bound. But who has parabhakti has no idea of being bound. He's liberated right there. He considers my seva a selfless service of pure love as the most important and knows of nothing else. He maintains there the attitude that I am the servant of the served and has no desire for even liberation. I'm not bound. What will I do with liberation? I'm only bound by my love. I am free to be in love. I am liberated in doing, in action. I'm not liberated from action. With the greatest love, he thinks only of me, knowing himself to be indivisible from me eternally and never separate. She is my own. She will With my form of all individual souls are conceived. If you see me, you see the, the totality. You're seeing Parabrahma, you're seeing the Paramatma. If the Paramatma, every Bhakti Jivatma is perceived. The totality of all the individual souls is conceived in the form of the Supreme Soul. And all action rendered unto them. You're serving all souls when you serve the Supreme Soul. If you love the Supreme Soul, if you're in love with Brahma, if you're in love with Paramatma, then you're 
in love with every vyakti, with every jivatma, with every individual soul which has taken manifestation. In the same way that his own soul is beloved, just so is the supreme soul. I'm never away from my own soul. I, I, where can I go where I'm not there? I am with me wherever I go. And I am one with the supreme souls and therefore I love the supreme soul just like I love me. Consciousness is equal, it's ever the same, and no distinction is ever made everywhere for now and all time, in every form, and for always, forever and ever. This is really a, a juicy chapter. Consciousness is equal and ever the same, and no distinction is ever made in the field of consciousness. You see the Supreme Soul and that's where you remain in perception, in union, in yoga with that Paramatma. For everywhere, all time, now and forever, in every form and for always, so long as we remember. That may be Kalkasht or it may be Amanda. It's an infinity while we're there. It may pass in an instant, but it's an infinity in that instant. To be with the Paramatma is to perceive infinity. Infinite time and infinite space, infinite matter and infinite consciousness. Remember, Kal, Nyati, Rag, uh, Vidya, and Kala. These five Kanchukas, these five limitations of supreme consciousness dispel, disperse, dis, they, they dissolve in the perception of Ishwar. So in the moment that we perceive her, in that moment we forget all the limitations of consciousness. He bows down and venerates the Chandalas, the outcast people like us, even as Ishwar, the supreme divinity, he doesn't make any distinction between the supreme soul and an individual soul. Not a high-born, not low-born, not a Brahman, not a Moishya, not a Kshatriya, not a Shudra. He doesn't know any caste distinctions. He doesn't know who is, who is high and mighty and who is low and, and, and uh, lowly. He never manifests low intelligence because all distinctions have been rejected. He, he doesn't buy into that, that myth. That some are high and some are low. Some are in the middle. Some are on this side and some are on that side. He becomes filled with devotion to me and whenever he sees my sacred places. So if you go on a tirtiatra all around Bharat, and you visit all the sacred places in the land where the light of wisdom always shines. And you visit each of the chakras and each of the vibrations, each of the akshars, which reside on the, on the petals of the lotus around the center of each center of energy. Every time we make that yatra, every time we make that pilgrimage, he becomes filled with devotion to me. Inside and out. What a privilege it is! Om namo om namo om namo om namo om namo om namo ring 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 namo And he becomes filled with devotion every time he just mentions the names of the tirthas. All those places of pilgrimage which you can visit in an instant, just sitting where you are. Here's a magic carpet for you. Learn how to fly. Learn to visit all the tirthas, all the places of pilgrimage, and become filled with devotion whenever he sees those sacred places. He sees my devotees with great faith. He listens to the scriptures with faith and is a master of mantras and tantras, etc., etc., etc. 
He is overflowing with love for me. <coughs> the hairs always stand up upon his body. Water caused by the tears of his love always flows, and his voice is choked with emotion. With an attitude of greatest intensity, he worships me. O king of mountains, as the supreme divinity, the womb of the universe, the cause of all causes, the primary mover unmoved, Adhikarit the first and foremost amongst the causes. A, a continuous series of causes and effects is not sufficient to logically explain existence. You have to have a first cause. You can't just have an ad infinitum retrogression, <clears throat> as they were calling it in logic. According to our Nyaya philosophy, we have that uh, 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 ad infinitum retrogression, which caused us to postulate a primary mover which herself is unmoved, and that's Srima. She doesn't move for anybody until she's ready. That's called hot. <laughs> With an attitude of the greatest Intensity, he worships me. O king of mountains, as the supreme divinity, the womb of the universe, the cause of all causes. He performs all the vows of worship for me. And believe me, being Hindu in 12 months, there are 13 festivals. And then there are a couple of others that you can intersperse between them. You've looked at our calendar and you understand. All the regular and special occasions for worship with great devotion and displaying any miserly attitude in the cost is completely forbidden. Ouch! <laughs> you cannot be a miser. You have to give the best and the most that you possibly can. Uh, I look at mom, she always cooks for everybody, all the dishes, for every festival. He desires to see my festivals of worship. He desires to perform my festivals of worship. His is eternal victory, Jai Mom! And as he has become of the nature of Devo, a shining being. She is a shining example who is always engaged in worship and planning for the next festival. In India, we used to make the murti ourselves, every festival. And at the end of the festival, we would have Bisarjan. We'd take the murti and we'd make a procession. We'd carry the murti down to the river and we'd put the murti, submerge the murti in the river and then we'd all take a bath and then we'd go home and start making the next murti. I, that's the cycle of life. That's the Jivon Chakra. We make the Murti. We worship the Murti. The infinite by, beyond conception has come into the per, per, to perceivable existence as Mother Nature. We say, Mother Nature, you are infinite beyond conception. We cannot conceive you. Give us a finite form. Mother says, go down to the bank of the river, scoop up the mud, mix it with straw, pray, meditate, chant, recite my meditation, describe my form, describe my prowess, describe my activities, what do I do? And then my form will become manifest. So long as you worship me, so long my form remains in manifested existence. Continue the relationship with me, and I will remain. So we went down to the bank of the river, we made the murti, we did the puja, we gave the pradhapatishta, we established life within, we did the entire puja, made all the offerings, and then at the end of the festival, we took her down to the river and submerged her went back home, took a shower, had some food, and started making the next Murthy. Until we came to California. 
and we did, we went down to the river, we scooped up the mud, we mixed it with straw, we made the murtis, and these are the forms that came out of the river. And we said, okay, and we did the puja, and then we said, mom, let's put you back in the river, and they said, uh-uh, we're staying this time. <laughs> Build us a temple, and we'll stay here. <laughs> I had no idea what we were in for. So that was the rhythm of life. Loudly he sings my names, and even further he dances. <laughs> Do you ever see clowns like that? They sing and they dance all around the mandir. He is free from egotism, etc., and rejects the imposition of the body upon the soul. Just reject it. Come up with a better idea. Hey, Mr. Ego, if you want to make me stand up and get away from this altar and go out and do something in the world, you better come up with a better idea, a better plan than trying to impose the body upon the soul. I reject that imposition. I will not admit that the body can impose upon the soul. I have a pain in the foot, I have a cramp in the back, I have a pain in my butt. I don't care where the pain is, it's only in my mind. If I change my thought, the pain will go away. He rejects the imposition of the body upon the soul. Reject it. Next, come up with a better idea if you want me to stop my worship. Because I have a sankalp, and I will not stop, I won't give up my sankalp until it's complete. And therefore, it's rejected. He knows that all is being performed from Parabdha Karma, the actions performed in the past, which are the cause of the present effects. <clears throat> We've had that discussion before. Remember, there were four kinds of karma. Sanshipta, Bhartwana, Parabdha, and Nitya. Sangshipta is over, done with its past. It only exists as a present memory in my mind. Bhartmoam is present. It's happening right this instant. Prarabdha are the actions commenced in the past, the fruits of which are coming to us in the present and in the future. And Nityakarma. The fourth. So he knows that everything that's happening to us today is stuff. All the fruits that we are harvesting today are because of the seeds which we planted yesterday. As you sow, so shall you reap. Tadati prati grinati, nyadati prashidati, itahangu pinakilitam, mahadi pinakilitam. As you sow, so shall you reap. As you give, so shall you receive. And this is the form of the pin by which Mahadev has bound all this creation. It's called karma. So this parapta karma, the actions performed in the past, which are the cause of the present effects, and therefore they must come to be. He keeps his thoughts centered in me and does not fear for the protection of his body. And this is an explanation about devotion. Remembered as the supreme devotion, wherein an attitude of extreme intensity is maintained towards the goddess and not to any other idea. Whoever can produce this supreme devotion becomes one with the principles. His consciousness perceives only that, as in tat twam asi. And he becomes dissolved in my form. Sad sarupa sadrishya sayuch. He sees the form and he's one with perception. And he's one with that form, Brahmo Epa Brahmapabanti, the knower of the Supreme becomes the Supreme. And he becomes dissolved in my form, Shiva Aham, Aham Brahmashmi. 
Remember four principles from four Vedas, Puganyam Brahma, the wisdom of nature is the supreme divinity. Tat Tvam Asi, that is you. I am Atma Brahma, this individual soul is the supreme divinity. Aham Brahmashmi, I am that supreme divinity. And it becomes dissolved in my form. This kind of devotion is the highest measure of what is known as wisdom. Uttam bhakti is gyan. The highest devotion is wisdom. Freedom from attachment is its other name or limit. In wisdom, both are present together. Freedom from attachment. How can you be in love if you're attached? Love is just this generous feeling of the spirit where only the beloved exists in your mind and that is the highest wisdom. In wisdom, both are present together. Who performs devotion can subdue his prarabdha. O mountain, when he attains to my wisdom, he goes to the monidweep. The island of jewels, the residence of the goddess. Going there, he enjoys infinite delight. And his every desire is fulfilled. What can you desire when you live in Monidweep? <laughs> what do you desire when you live with the Divine Mother? Ma achenarami achi, bhavanaki achayamar. Mother is. And I am here. <laughs> what could I desire? Babanaki Atsayamar. What is my feeling? What is my what is the intensity of my reality? I'm eating from mother's hand. I get her prasad every meal. Ma has taken my entire responsibility. What do I desire? She knows what I'm supposed to eat. Whatever she gives me, that's what I eat. What should we have for dinner tonight? <laughs> what should I think? Ma Nietzsche Sakalvar, she took over the entire responsibility. And his every desire is fulfilled. Ultimately, he attains union with the wisdom of my form of consciousness, O oh, Ma. He becomes filled with wisdom and filled with love. He becomes a reflection of her form of consciousness. By this means, self-realization is attained and he becomes divine. There is no self-realization without wisdom. There is no other way. You have to harmonize wisdom and devotion in every action. These three are in harmony all the time. That is self-realization. How can you have self-realization without wisdom? There is no self-realization without wisdom. Gan and Bhakti are not separate paths. There is no other way. Who attains to this wisdom finds the universal spirit in his heart. who attains the highest manifestation of my full knowledge. His life force travels only to Brahma. It is said, he only is Brahma who knows Brahma. What great philosophers seldom disagree. Brahma eva, Brahma bhavati. In the logic of Kanta Chamika, gold on the neck, Wisdom was concealed. It's a, it's a famous proverb in Sanskrit. Kanta, it means your neck or your throat. And chamika means the gold is shining on your neck. And it's a necklace, a golden necklace. And you're wearing this golden necklace and you're saying, where did I put that necklace? Where has that necklace gone? And you search all over. I know it myself. I put my glasses on my nose and I look around for my glasses. Ma, I'm a Cheshmakoy. Where did I put my glasses? And I go, oh, there they are. I'm looking for the gold on the neck. In the logic of Kanta Chamika, 
wisdom was concealed by wisdom, lack of wisdom is destroyed, something new is not gained, only he found that which he already had. <laughs> and that's the proverb. Uh, here we are, all of us, I'm searching for peace, I'm searching for self-realization, I'm searching for wisdom, I'm searching for God and guru and all that, and we don't realize that the, we're wearing the necklace around our neck. <laughs> Funny we are. So when you find the necklace, it, you didn't get something new. You say, oh, I just woke up. <laughs> what a silly me. Here I am searching outside for something I'm wearing already. I already possess it. Something new is not added. I only found that which I already had. From this understanding comes understanding of my embodied form. Manifested in ideals, in souls, in waters, as in the realms of the ancestors. They're all my embodies forms. All the dharma is my embodiment. It's the manifestation of me. All the, all the atmas, all the jivas, all the waters, all the nourishment, all the spitris, all the ancestors who paved the road for me to come to this place this understanding right now, they're all manifestations of me, of my divinity. Well, this is what I'm trying to appreciate every time I do the shrad, every time I do the, I recognize that my ancestor prepared a road for me to come. Everything that I got in my life is somehow they prepared the way for me to get here. And I want to say, I'm in a good place with good people doing good things. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You did a heck of a job. <laughs> you did it really well. Namaste. I bow to you. To every manifestation of Dharma, of Atma, of Jiva, of everything that is divine that helped me to get to this place where I am right now. Namaste. In every way that you added and enhanced my capacity to have this understanding for now. No. Shadows and light are said to be distinguished as independent. You can see the light and you can see the shadow. <laughs> In my realm of wisdom, attitudes of duality are forbidden for both of them. There's only unity. There's only the one. There's no duality. So all these concepts of darkness and light and positive and negative and plus and minus and good and bad and all the other value judgments we are const constantly making, they don't exist in union. When we achieve that unity, that liberation, that self-realization, that illumination, there is no longer any duality. They're forbidden. Who attains non-attachment only? <laughs> Without the fullest attainment of the wisdom of absorbed consciousness, will reside in Brahma Loka, the realms of supreme divinity, eternally, at least until an age has passed or beyond. So if you achieve freedom from attachment, you don't achieve the fullest absorption in the unified consciousness of non-duality, but you will free, achieve freedom from attachment. That is, you can work for the, your beloved with the love and the grace and not hankering after the fruits and not desiring anything for myself because of my actions. I'm not giving you a bribe. I'm not paying you in advance. I'm not, this is not a barter or an exchange, but I just love you and I want you to have this. I know there's a you and I know there's a me and I have not achieved that unity, but still I achieved the privilege of loving you. Then 
we get to go to Brahmalok and reside for an eternity in the realms of supreme divinity. That's a lot. That's a big step. And then again, he will take birth in the home of pure beings of great respect. Remember, uh, the, the Devi uh, came uh, in chapter 11 of the Chandi. Uh, she came back and I will manifest again and again uh, to slay these divisions uh, and to slay these Ashuras that I'm going to take home in the house of Nanda Gopal. Uh, and I will become known as Mahamaya. Uh, and she gave us so many different places. Remember in the Bhagavad Gita, Again and again, when Dharma gets weak and the Asuras get strong and everybody starts to manifest selfish behavior, uh, from time to time I will manifest myself in a divine form and I will create again the balance and understanding of what is the goal and what is the path to its achievement, I will put all back into harmony and give you the inspiration of self-realization. That was Sri Krishna's word. Again and again, in the home of pure beings of great respect, and thereafter he will perform spiritual discipline until he attains wisdom. He will continually perform the spiritual discipline, the sadhana. And we, we have several definitions and several ingredients that we've talked about for our sadhana. We're going to add some more in the next chapters. So he's going to achieve that sadhana, that wisdom, by performing discipline. With many births, O king, wisdom may be attained. Remember, Shiva and Vishnu in the first chapter fought with Hal Hal for 60,000 years. Uh, we all want it. Well, can I get it next week, Mom? Or we had someone come through the temple last weekend. They said, could I have some peace, please? I'm leaving for India tomorrow. <laughs> like it was something we could stick in the window as, of the car as they drove through the temple. Therefore, devote every effort in the pursuit of wisdom. Take refuge in effort. Ah, you must take refuge in effort. Devote every effort to achieve this wisdom and take refuge in that effort. If this great consciousness is not attained, it is a calamity. I mean, it's, it's the highest attainment of human birth. Why would you settle for a few little crumbs that fall from the table when the whole meal is there? Take refuge in effort. If you don't get this consciousness, it's a calamity. Again, this human birth is difficult of attainment then also to be of the first caste at the apex of society, like a spiritual seeker, someone who's inspired to pursue spirituality or spiritual life. And to have inculcated the wisdom of the Vedas is also difficult to attain. I mean, to have this knowledge rammed down your throat by a concerned doctor who is serving his patient like a physician, Uttam Ved. The, the highest form of doctor, remember the, the lowest form of doctor says, please, I'm writing you the prescription, take the medicine. The middling form of doctor says, I'm writing you this prescription and I request you to take this medicine. And the highest form of doctor jumps on the patient's chest, opens her mouth, shoves the medicine down the mouth, closes it, pours water down there until she swallows it and says, okay, I took the message. <laughs> I have consumed the medicine. So now, if you have inculcated the wisdom, this wisdom is difficult to attain if you have a, a good birth where you get to pursue spiritual life. If you have a, 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 a good environment which uh, encourages you to pursue spiritual life. If you have a good association, a fine satsang, if you have a good guru, if you have a good example, that if you have all of this stuff, 
That's all very hard to attain. This is to be prized in creation. Don't just settle for a few crumbs, of breadcrumbs of worldliness. Oh, if I follow that Swami, I'll, I'll get stock tips for the morning. And I'll, I'll follow him and I'll get yoga tips for the evening. I, if I follow him, I'll learn how to read uh, palms. If, go for the big stuff. Don't be, don't be settled for little things. Go for the, the whole enchilada. Peace, etc. The six forms of wealth which are attained from yoga. Uh, those are uh, well. Uh, we uh, those are the six forms of wealth. You have it in the cosmic puja. You have it in the Shiva advanced puja. You'll find it in the yagya padoti in the agni alham. Becoming a disciple of an excellent guru. All of these are difficult of attainment. To become skillful in controlling the senses. And in the minute details of the principles of Sanskrit, all require merit. This is punya. Pu means punya. The highest merit. Ja means to give birth. Puja. What gives birth to the highest merit is the, the, the privilege to sit in the presence of God. This is puja. All of this requires Lots of punya. You've given birth to a lot of merit in order to have a good birth and a good association and a good guru and a good knowledge of the scriptures and now you've studied Sanskrit and now you're studying philosophy. Moreover, it is the merit attained over many births to possess the desire to attain self-realization. How many people are out there that didn't, couldn't care? Couldn't care less? All I want is to earn a little bit more and enjoy a little bit more and have a little bit more status in the eyes of people of the world because I enjoy the most. That human who is even in close proximity to these excellent fruits of spiritual discipline, who does not make effort towards the goal, towards the goal of wisdom, his birth is without meaning. Therefore, O king, with all energy possible, with all energy possible, take refuge in efforts for the attainment of wisdom. At every step, you will receive the fruits of having performed the ashwamedh sacrifice to a certainty. Even as ghee resides hidden in milk, so in every particle of existence resides wisdom. Always churn with the rod of the mind. Churn all existence to make the ghee of wisdom. In Bengali we say, Jwotu mountain kori be totumalai hodbe. Mountain kortohove. We will keep churning and watch the cream rise to the surface. And then keep churning and watch the cream rise to the surface. Make the ghee of wisdom. Strive for the purpose of attaining wisdom. Thus the Vedanta loudly proclaims total realization or liberation must be pursued. What more do you desire to hear? Om Sang Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. Iti Namamadhyay. Let's see if there are any questions. Please. Ooh, a question from Jai Ma James. Namaste Jai Ma. From the grace of serving in Sattvic Bhakti, does a desire arise to go into Par Bhakti? Or is it that it's a boon granted by the Divine Mother at her will? And when she wills it? Both happen, James. Uh, when you serve, you why are you serving? I, I, you want to purify yourself and you want to get hold of that Paravakti. You want to get it, it inculcate that Paravakti. You want to bhavahit. You want to have that as your intensely strong desire, in, intensity of reality that you are intuiting, that is your goal. And that's why yet you are performing this sattvic bhakti. And it's an automatic evolution and it's kripa, it's grace. And remember, kri means do and pa means get. And the grace is what you do is what you get.
So the, the grace and the action are one and the same. You're doing the sadhana and you're living the bhavana and you're living the dream. And when you do live the dream, you get the grace. And it gets stronger and stronger and a greater intensity of reality and then until it becomes your soul, an exclusive reality. So both are true. We have a question from Ramya. Namaste Rami Mami. How can we recognize when our body is imposing on the soul and what can we do to actively reject it? Ramya, well, first of all, if I think that my foot hurts, then my body has imposed itself upon my soul. So I realize that that's a thought. If I think I have a backache and therefore I can't sit in an asana, I'll sit in a chair, then I'm relegating myself to a lifetime without asana. And I know that the body has imposed itself upon the soul. Now, in our present example, we are rejecting any imposition of the body upon the soul. So therefore, I'm going to say, I will not accept the imposition of the body upon the soul. I will strive to conquer the impulses of the body. I know the body is very strong. The body invokes ego, and the ego says, I am not comfortable. And I would say to that uncomfortable ego, that's just why I'm here. I'm not here to make the ego comfortable. I'm here to, make, to strengthen the bhavana of the gods and the goddesses and the shining ones to illuminate all of the, the, the bhavana I possibly can. I will not accept the imposition of the body upon the soul. That's one example. I'm growing tired. Well, maybe I just stop chanting in the middle of my, my pot and I'll just space out for a while. <laughs> of course, it'll be very, very difficult. Oh, uh, there, there, the body has imposed itself upon the soul. I will not accept the imposition of the body upon the soul. I will not give in to laziness. I will not give in to sloth. I will not give in to ideas of comfort or discomfort. I have a sankalp. And I will perform my sankalp, otherwise I cannot expect that you will hold up your end of the bargain. My sankalp says, if I chant this in the way that it's prescribed, you're going to give me the fruits as you gave to every other yogi that did the, the same way. Why not? I have the same authority as every other yogi. You're, you're not pachpart. You're, you're, you're not partial to any one of your kids. You'll treat us all equally, won't you? You're a mom. You gotta you got treat your kids equally. If all of us do the same work in the same way, in the same attitude, won't you give us all the same fruit? So if that is true, and I believe it to be true, then, Rami, if I reject the imposition of the body upon the soul, and I complete my sankalpa just as is specified in the scripture to the extent of my capacity, you're going to treat me just in the same way that you treated every other yogi and every other rishi and every other man, man woman, and child from antiquity who came to you with the same plea. Give me parabhakti. Give me that supreme devotion. And I will not accept the imposition of the body upon the soul. We have a question from Papia in Delaware. Namaste, Papia Ma. How does devotion <laughs> subdue Prabhda karma? Papia, there are four kinds of karma. Sanshipta is over and done with. It's only a present a memory. Vartman is what's happening right now. Prarabdha is what's going to happen in the future. Remember Shankaracharya talked about the arrows leaving the bow. And until the arrow does not land, what can the archer do? He can only wait to see what will become the fruit of his karma. Now, Nitya karma is eternal karma. That's where you are so devoted that you pay attention. 
You are so devoted, you come to that wisdom where wisdom and attention and bhakti and love and karma all unite in one harmony. And if you're there, the arrow lands, you say, now, there's a knock on the door, Papia. And Papia says, I'm not interested. I'm in Parabhakti. There is no duality. What do I care about an arrow? <laughs> what use do I have for the arrows of that Parabhakti karma? Go ahead and land, do whatever you need to do. Go ahead and do what you what, what is in your karma? Yeah, what's in your bhagya? What's in your destiny? That's your problem. I'm already in Parabhakti. I like that. Just like that. Just like mom. She's always in Porta Bhakti. She couldn't care less. What are you guys doing? You're making a website. Oh, you're not making a website. You're doing this. Oh, how does that affect her? It'll lose its own energy of its own accord. It, just like Rock the Bija when he lost all his blood, he just petered out. <laughs> that was the end of Rock the Bija. In the same way, the Prarabdha Karma will just dispel itself. It disperses and it's gone. Yes, please. We have a question from Elijah. Namaste, Elijah Baba. Are faith, love, and bhakti uh, precedence to wisdom? Yes. Yes, I cannot achieve wisdom without knowledge. I cannot achieve knowledge without, uh, without love. I cannot achieve love without faith. I, I, they're all connected, intertwined. I, I got to know something in order to do the right thing, to show that I love you. So I'm going to study, and I can't study unless I pay attention. I can't pay attention just I really am motivated to pay attention to this because I love you, and I know that you will enjoy the fruits of this karma. And therefore, Elijah, they are not separate. They're all constituent elements of the same path. It's, it's not like I'm gonna, now I'm going to do yoga. <laughs> And now I'm going to do Dan. And now I'm going to do Dan. I'm a Gani today. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, we are always Gani or lack, lack of Gani. We are always Bhaktas or lack of Bhaktas. We are always Karmic or lack of Karma. It, it's not like it's one or the other. Ever. Impulsive. Yes, please. We have a question from Samantha in Los Angeles. Namaste, Samantha. Namaste, Kyle. Namaste, Sriman Swamiji. If I do something helpful because I want the guru to notice me, is that selfish? If so, how can I be more selfless in a situation like that? Samantha, it, it, it's selfish in the sense that you want to, pre, uh, to purify yourself. However, if you could do it just saying, I love you so much, I want to give you this. I want to do this for you just to show you my love. Not that you have to recognize me, but I recognize you. Now, that's the kind of bhakti that's going to lead you deeper and deeper into the feeling of parabhakti. There's only you. I'm just here to show my love for you. That's all I, achieve, uh, I hope to achieve in this lifetime. If I could demonstrate to you the sincerity of my love, I will feel myself sufficiently recompensed. I have gotten sufficient compensation for demonstrating. I just get the privilege of loving you. We have a question from Chandana in Portland. Namaste, Chandana. Is it okay to meditate in the middle of the puja if we catch the bhav, or should we wait until the end of the puja? It depends if you want to finish the puja or not. <laughs> if you meditate for some period of time, that's fine. But if you have a sudden cult to finish the puja, then finish the puja and then meditate. But don't go into meditation and say, wake up from meditation and say, okay, well, I've had enough. I'm not going to finish the puja. 
that will be nishpo. It will be without fruit. The greater reward would be finishing the puja and then going into meditation. But there are several short meditations within the puja and you can go in and remain there for a while and then you come back out. For example, when we do pranapatishta, and we bring all the energy inside and then we enliven and awaken the life force of the deity with inside and then we do job with the deity inside and afterwards we take the deity from our heart and we put it on the flower and we breathe the soul into the flower and put that flower on the yantra These are guided meditations which are designed to bring us into that state of meditation and then back out in the state of sharing our love with the entire universe. So if you perform the puja padhoti as it's written, the order of the worship, the daily karyakram, the, the, the organization of worship step by step as it's written you're going to go into meditation come out of meditation you're going to go into meditation come out of meditation and when you complete your sankalpa you can just go into meditation and stay there for so long as your karma allows Om Thang Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Mm -hmm.